podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, thanks for listening to the show. Join your hosts, Bill Alfstead and Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk Seahawks football. And we're going to talk coaches today. Uh, as everyone knows by now, Pete Carroll was released uh, or reached a, a mutual departure from the Seattle Seahawks this week. And while we're still kind of mourning that loss and working through that and uh, learning more about why the decision was made, uh, in fact, the decision was made, and so we need to move on. One of the things uh, uh, that's going to rapidly uh, happen is uh, John Schneider is going to pick a new coach. Uh, John Schneider has kind of moved up the pecking order in the Seahawks organization, taking on probably uh, the VP of Football Operations role that Pete had and will now be responsible for moving this franchise forward and uh which i think is a great opportunity for john he's earned it um he's been an integral part of uh working uh on this team for uh the entire duration that pete was was here 14 seasons and now he gets a chance to uh to put his stamp on it and we'll see how that goes so we're going to talk about coaches today head coaches uh there's going to be some talk of you know offensive and defensive uh, coordinators and schemes and and what does Seattle do with its personnel and what kind of a coach uh, is going to be an optimal fit for this team is it going to be a young guy a young up-and-coming offensive-minded guy a defensive guy a guy with a lot of head coaching experience to come in and just kind of steady the ship as we transition um, there's a lot to think about a lot to talk about welcome in Keith yeah um there's a lot to do can we just get one name off the list and so we don't have to mention it ever? Jim Harbaugh. Again? Jim Harbaugh. Um, I heard um, Brock Heward brought him up as, according to him, the ideal candidate, and I could not disagree more. Um, everything that we've learned from 14 years under Pete Carroll um, and the culture and the marriage of coach and GM and how everything has got to work right and, and all those kind of things. Jim Harbaugh's not that guy. Can you imagine and the reason why he wears out his welcome everywhere he goes in like four years? Can you imagine so, the Seahawks deliberately uh, cutting loose from Pete Carroll and transitioning to his arch rival, Jim Harbaugh, yeah. how that would kind of go over with the, with the fan base. Now, Granted, Jim has a history of, of winning three straight oh. uh, NFC, uh, NFC championships uh, with the 49ers, just won a championship um, in college football. Uh, he's, a, he's a winner. He knows how to win. He knows how to put together teams and rosters and gets it done. But he burns bridges about as uh, well as, as any coach uh, out there. And... You know, you, you do worry about the culture that the team when he left that San Francisco now bulky had some some responsibility, a lot of responsibility, actually, in mm. burning that team to the ground. But Harbaugh also, you know, had had issues as well with with 
coaches and, and so forth. So uh, that would be a lightning rod uh, that I don't think that John Schneider would pull the trigger on um, because he has to work so closely. We're going to talk about that marriage that the head coach and general manager mm-hmm. has together and running a franchise. And I just don't see that relationship blossoming into something that works really well together, Keith. And I agree with you. I think it's probably off the board, not even a consideration. But I will say that he does win. He's going to be a factor. He's going to go to some team probably in the NFL this season. Um, CX have one of the best looking rosters on paper out of all the teams that are out there for head coaching spots as kind of a ready-made, almost ready-made team to, to kind of win right away. It would be very attractive to a coach, but I don't see it. And I, I'm crossing my fingers that it's not going to be him just because of the culture. I, it's hard to transition from a culture that Pete Carroll built into something that Jim Harbaugh would embrace and build and, and have it feel good at all. It would just be, ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, let's let's take that name. It's there. People brought it up. <laughs> I think he stays at Michigan. I think that um, he doesn't walk away from Ann Arbor when he is j- celebrating a national championship. Um, and this is the season of pay raises, right? So mm-hmm. all these all these coaches we just saw DeBoer move uh, from Washington to uh, Alabama and take that big coaching job. Dan Lanning decided to stay at Oregon. Probably is going to get a pay raise out of that. We've seen the you know uh, different uh, coaches um, back out of this Alabama thing or use the Alabama job as a uh, reason to. Uh, get more money out of their existing institutions. And um, he may well do the same thing, use the opportunity in the NFL to squeeze a little bit more out of Michigan. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. So let's, I would say that, that that's likely Um, Caleb DeBoer. And there's a, there is a, um, a section of the franchise that wanted him. They're like, basically it's like a promotion. You go from the Huskies to the Seahawks. Um, he went to Alabama, like, and good for him. I think that's the best um, college job in the nation. Uh, they have yeah. the, the the most resources and also the highest expectations, but easily the most resources. And so um, it sucks for, you know, University of Washington. It does. They've got to figure that out. But um, that is a name off the list for Seahawks fans. Um, not that I would think that he would have ever been in consideration. But let's start with... Um, kind of the comments that Pete made during his exit press conference about John Snyder and um, the marriage. That's what he called it. He's like, he even said, we got married. Yeah. When, when the, when they hired John, it was, yep, we're getting married. Let's, let's do this. And um, for 14 years, they worked together and they worked together really well. And they were, they disagreed and, whatever you know but they found common ground and they always knew the other one had their back even when they were fighting over players Mm -hmm. and and salary cap and whatnot um to win in the nfl you have to have that um i i really believe you have to you look at what the 49ers have done 
um, they hired Shanahan and then went and found him a GM that would work with him, that likes him, that knows him, that um, would be that partner. The same way the Seahawks hired Carroll first and then went and found John Snyder. Um, I think you, if you don't have that synergy there, it just never really works. Yeah. And so uh, the, the interesting thing about, uh, Schneider in this situation, you mentioned the exit interview and so forth. This is really the only reason why we have any hint at all is how the organization is going to move forward with John, because Pete kind of spelled it out a little bit saying that, mm -hmm. you know, this is now John's shot. He's going to have an opportunity to, to make call all the shots, et cetera which points to a larger role for him and he isn't going anywhere. So, you know, when everyone thought that maybe this was kind of a package deal when, when uh, Pete went, John would go as well. That's not the case. John's going to get a chance to run his own franchise now without interference. However, there are certain coaches on our list that we can talk about that will also demand um, a say in their personnel and, and, um, have an influence on draft day and so forth. So we'll see how that goes. It's going to be a really interesting and important decision for John. And it's his first real big decision sitting out on, on his own uh, on an island. And he's going to want to try to knock this thing out of the park for sure. Um, so it'll be, it'll be very interesting. But you're right. They work hand in hand. And <clears throat> that's why it's easy to dismiss the Harbaugh situation. I think a younger GM or or having Harbaugh come in before you hire a GM is, is the way that that situation would end up going uh, because John's going to have say in, on almost everything and, and he'd just have a figurehead at the GM spot, I would think. Well, I don't think it would be a figurehead. If you could thought, consider John Snyder a figurehead at the GM spot in Seattle. But I do think if you're going to make the John Harbaugh situation work, that's what you have to do. you got to hire him and then have him involved in hiring um, a general manager that that relationship won't sour, right? Because they, they're guys right. that, that they've worked together and they know each other and they know how to, all of that. It, it, you ha If you don't have that, I think Harbaugh is just going to end up as a disaster. Um, I mean, it'll be great for four years and then it'll be a disaster. Um because of all of this, it does sound like one of the top coaching um, candidates is probably already off the market. Um, and that's uh, with Washington and what's going on there. So you yeah. brought it to my attention. So I'm going to let you lay it out. Yeah. So we're talking about Ben Johnson. So uh, one of the young guys uh, that's up and coming in the league, he's only what, 37, I think right now, uh, years old, the offensive coordinator for the, um, Detroit Lions, a uh, big name out there as far as teams looking for uh, innovation and somebody that's offensive minded to lead their team, but doesn't have the head coaching experience. In fact, very little experience as far as, uh, you know, just po even position coach in the NFL. He was a tight ends coach before he was an offensive coordinator the last two seasons. You know, he's done an, an amazing job with the Lions, gone from almost dead last in offensive EPA and and uh, points scored and so forth, so forth in the NFL before he started to now uh, the Lions are fifth in the NFL overall on, on total offense 
and he's a big part of that, as we know. And he's made Jared Goff and look. Made Jared Goff who he is, right? Right. And so, so uh, this is definitely a name that we've talked about, and we've kind of been intrigued about. And, and I know that there are others, uh, specifically like Rob Staten, is is kind of advocating for this type of move for Seattle. It's kind of go go young, go uh, first timer, go broke. And and um, I'm not sure I'm in that camp, um, but. We can talk about this name just a little bit in that um, the Washington Commanders just hired a general manager, the assistant GM, Adam Peters, I believe is his last name, from the 49ers. He was their assistant general manager under Lynch and very coveted guy. I think that was probably the hire of the season. They, they really knocked it out of the park with that GM selection right there, but... He's got a relationship with Ben Johnson. In fact, they've had talks, according to reports, and I don't have the name, but I think it was like uh, uh, not uh, Schefter, but... I think it was Daniel Jeremiah. Maybe Daniel Jeremiah reported that these two have been um, in talks to be kind of a tandem wherever they land, wherever they went, um, and work together in a general manager coaching um partnership. And so the feeling now is that Johnson may well be off the market and take that Washington commander's job if it becomes available to him. And, um, that would mean that he wouldn't be an option to begin with. And so that's something to think about and to watch if everyone's out there thinking maybe Ben Johnson would be an option. That's something that, that might not uh, be available to us to, to work with. So we'll have to just kind of see. But he would be an intriguing option if John Schneider decided to go with a young, unproven guy that could spark this offense. We've got a lot of offensive tools, a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball, and it would make a lot of sense to have a, a, a head coach like that. But you'd have to have considerations on what you would do on the defensive side. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's when you go with the super young route with coaches. Um, I mean, Sean McVay is obviously the the poster. Um, that's what everyone is hoping to 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 replicate. Is he was hired at like thirty one, um, and <laughs> yeah. and uh, turned out to be one of the best coaches in the NFL fairly quickly and learned on the job, learned quickly but also did a great job while learning. Um, and he's maintained uh, a high level of just excellence as a coach, even though his roster has come and gone and, and currently is um, and that was probably not where he wants issue. it to be. Not he still issue. made the playoffs. Seahawks yeah. didn't. Um, so, but the first thing that Sean McVay did when he was hired was hire... Um, Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh my god, we have coordinator. a yeah. Um, I, I can't, can't even remember picture his, his face. Why is the name gone? 
Um, <laughs> An older established defensive coordinator, though. Wade Phillips. There we go. Wade Phillips. Uh, yeah. Wade um, Phillips. The guy that had had head coaching experience. Um, very established, older guy, fiery personality. I hired him as defensive coordinator slash assistant head coach. And so you got the the leadership and the experience and the defensive like uh, know-how um, to match with the youth and uh, genius on the offensive side. And yeah, you're giving, it's just, you have to have that kind of thing with a young coach. I honestly think so. Um, and the guy that's come up is as a name that people are talking about as, as a potential head coaching candidate, but I think is a great fit in terms of the, that defensive role is Jim Schwartz. Um, I think if you're going to hire a young guy like that, you need to have the, you need to have the veteran on the other side of the ball. Um, but it's also got to be the right relationship right there because you set, when you do that, the reason why a lot of coaches don't is they set themselves up to have power dynamics where people are looking to the experienced coach, not the head coach for leadership. Um, and if there's, if they're ever like, wait, Egos, are we sure we right. want to do this? What does he think? Right? right. You don't want that. It's like having a, um, a quarterback controversy. Uh, Wade Phillips did a great job of always deferring and knowing his role. And, and um, only was there for what, a season or two at the most. Yeah, I think it was there for two, on. and then moved on. So, yeah, so this, yeah, and then let's talk about Jim Schwartz. So, so let me ask you this: Jim Schwartz is the current defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. If Ben Johnson wanted somebody like that, is just giving him a slash assistant head coach title enough to pry him away uh, and a lateral move? It's not a lateral move if you go from being defensive coordinator to assistant head coach. Okay, that's that was my question. Is that title enough to tell the league that he's gonna getting a promotion? It's not. It's not just. I mean, it's not just the title, right? You give someone a title, but don't change their responsibilities. They're okay. It's a title. Uh, I guess it would allow the move. They wouldn't have to, um, you know, do any kind of compensation or anything uh, because you have that, but it comes with responsibilities. If you're going to be uh, an assistant head coach, you're going to have other responsibilities than just being defensive coordinator. Um, and giving a guy like Jim Schwartz, who's been a head coach, um, those responsibilities, isn't a bad idea, especially if you've got a really young guy um, taking over the reins so, of the franchise. So let's talk about another young guy. And then let's circle back to Jim Schwartz as maybe an option at the, at the HC spot along with some of the other more experienced guys. The other guy opposite side of the ball from Ben Johnson as offensive-minded guy would be a defensive-minded coach and Mike McDonald, um, Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator right now, has got the Baltimore Ravens playing uh, on the defensive side very, very well. Uh, beat the 49ers again this, this season as well as, as Jim Schwartz. Uh, but a young um, guy up and coming doesn't have all that experience. But if, if John decided he meshed better with, with somebody like this, an up and coming defensive mind to stop the 49ers, to stop the Rams offense uh, twice a year. Um, and now Gannon in um, Arizona has got them playing well. Um, 
you might decide to go on the defensive side for a head coach. See, this is, um, the NFL has switched in that everybody's hiring offensive coaches. And they're hiring offensive coaches for a reason. Um, the rules and the rule enforcement has shifted very heavily to, to support the offense so you can make a bigger impact by just becoming better on offense. Um, being good on defense is really hard at the moment. Um, and if you hire a defensive head coach, you have to hire an offensive coordinator that can manage your offense. And the moment you're good, that offensive coordinator goes on to be a, uh, a head coach elsewhere. Um, and you're going to have a revolving door at your offensive coordinator spot. Uh, that makes life hard. I know that Pete's going to be like, okay, so we've got, um, if him and, and, you know, a young, a defensive coach really mesh and that's where he, where he wants to go. Okay. You mean, uh, John, not Pete. Yeah. Sorry. If John does, um, then, okay, fine. But who's your offensive coordinator going to be? Who's the veteran guy who has that experience and is good enough at the job to get it done? Um, and isn't going to disappear on you. Do you bring, do you run a guy like Shane Waldron back? I mean, that's a possibility, but Shane Waldron doesn't have, Shane Waldron's a young guy. He doesn't have the experience that you're, if you're going to hire a guy that's in his like, uh, mid thirties, you want to, you want someone with head coaching experience. Um, Uh, on the other side of the ball. I mean, I, I just think that's, that's what, what it takes. Um, mm -hmm. and so, I mean, or, maybe or a tremendous or, or a, or a really nice resume, you know? Yeah. De deeper um, experience. Or maybe, maybe that deeper experience, but in, at the college level or something. The, like the, that. the like, issue though is, is, you know, unless you're unemployed right now, you're in an existing offensive coordinator spot in the NFL, mm -hmm. you're not available, you know, unless you give them that HC title, which is, you know, can, can get wishy-washy to me. My, my opinion is I agree with everything you're saying, except for maybe that assistant head coaching title. When you bring in a new coach, it can get, it can get a little squishy. It did work for McVay, but it worked with um, so that because he, because of the people involved and that's, yeah. you, you had the right people. So you can't just bring in anyone. It's gotta be that perfect, like the general manager head coach. It's gotta be that perfect marriage. Um, if you're going to have that, that fiery defensive coach as your head coach, who's only in his mid thirties, who's the offensive guy that's going to come in. That's available. That's good enough at the job to help you win. Um, but isn't already a head coach or about to become one in this league. It's really hard right now because if you're good as an offensive coordinator, you get a head coaching job. It's just yeah. the way it works. Well, it, and, and let's, uh, I'll speak to that right now. Another name to watch. Don't know too much about him, but we can talk about it a little bit as Bobby Slowick, the Titans offensive coordinator, um, 36 years old, 10, 10 seasons of experiences being an assistant in this league uh, worked under Kyle Shanahan, both in Washington and San Francisco as well. 
um, helped uh, re most recently in Houston um, as the uh, helping C.J. Stroud out. Um, and so he's with D'Amico Ryans right now. He could stay there in Houston, but there's talk around the league of, of him at least interviewing, going through an interview process this, um, this off season as mm -hmm. a head coaching opportunity. So it's just a name. I don't think he's going to be ready to go. It's just, uh, somebody, I mean, if you come out of, of left field, which, and that's why we're going to be talking about all these guys is that there is that possibility that John goes left field and, on us and picks somebody that we just don't, don't even know at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it wouldn't well, shock me. It wouldn't shock me either. Um, Slope's actually a decent name in that, yeah, he has, um, he's worked in a few places. He's seen different cultures, different teams, different organizations. Um, and recently with the Texans where he turned, C, or he turned CJ Stroud was already a great prospect, but he got a lot out of a rookie prospect. He was able to, to, adapt to the talents of his player and find ways to uh, get the most out of guys. And Seattle's got a lot of offensive talent and then finding ways to get the most out of that talent uh, is certainly a, a skill set that Seattle needs to be looking for this off season. Um, interesting name. I think it's hard that when you're that young um, to, you know, to step in and, and, be that leader um yeah especially on a on a team that's got a decent roster but noticeably doesn't have leadership on the roster so i'm going to go through a, a few names just kind of quickly i'm going to uh mention the other teams with head coaching opportunities in the nfl and what those teams have requested uh just to see if there's any names in here that that we're interested in uh, Carolina uh, has requested interviews with the Lions offensive coordinator Brian Johnson and the Ravens OC Todd Munkin. Uh, Tennessee Titans are interested in Jim Harbaugh, and uh, apparently um, Bill Belichick is not on the Titans list. Um, they've also requested interviews with Mike McDonald, the D.C. we just talked about, the Giants offensive coordinator Mike uh, Kafka and Raiders interim coach Antonio Pierce, as well as Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. They seem to be the most active so far in that at least is, requesting. That, one is, that one's surprising to me. The D.C. Aaron Glenn? No, Kafka, oh. offensive coordinator for the Giants. Did anybody watch the Giants offense the last couple of years? Well, their offensive line was just horrendous, as you know. Their entire um, offense was horrendous. You think? Yes. It was bad. Their defense it was, was like, bad too. It was, <laughs> it was just a bad team. That the 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 offensive game plan was handed off to Saquon and pray. Um, I I don't understand why he's getting head coaching looks at this point. Los Angeles Raiders, uh, no no reports yet. Chargers requested an interview with Ravens offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. So that's the second time I've heard that name. Uh, Rams DC uh, Raheem Morris. Uh, we'll interview B, uh, Bill's former defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier. He's been around for a while. Atlanta Falcons mm -hmm. requested interviews with um, Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, Rams uh, defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, Panthers uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Evero, uh, 
and 49ers uh, defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. That's another name that we, we Steve Wilkes is another name. Bit. He he had he got one season in Arizona, went three and thirteen mm-hmm. with an awful roster, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. an awful roster, and then got let go so they could uh, hire a guy who had just been fired at the college level and was about to go be a college OC. Um, but he's got a little bit of experience. He knows some stuff. He's you know been with the Forty Niners, which is a well run organization at the moment. Yes, yes. So he's he's a and he, let's face it, he did a great job with that defense. And he so, knows the 49ers. I mean, that would be an advantage. Mm-hmm. Anything you um, can the 49ers. Um, we talked Fra- about the Frazier's commanders a little bit. What's that? It, Fra- Leslie Frazier's name came up yes. a little bit. Uh, he has an, a dubious uh, connection to the Seahawks, if you'll remember. Um, he was the guy that uh, Seahawk representatives flew in met with at an airport for a few minutes um, and called it an interview so that way they could avoid Rooney mm. Rule violations okay. um, when they hired Pete Carroll. Wow. Uh. <laughs> wow. I, I forgot that, but that is true. <laughs> that's that's nuts. Um, okay. And the last one I want to talk about is New England. Um Vrabel uh, from Tennessee that they, they let go was going to be their number one candidate, won three Super Bowls with them, but they ended up hiring linebackers coach Gerard Mayo, former number one pick for them, won uh, also some some Super Bowls, um, not 24 hours after they let go of Bill Belichick, which was a shocker to me. But which means Patriots have, are off the board. Yeah, they knew that. they That decision was made already. Or they let go of Belichick. They already had yeah. that in place. They, yes. They in fact, he's- Kraft came out uh, earlier this year and said that Mayo would be a fine head coach. At some point, he's going to get an opportunity. And sure enough, mm-hmm. that's that's where it was. So, okay. So there's a couple names uh, floating around beyond Wilkes as experienced guys, head coaches uh, in the past, uh, or or prominent uh, coordinators now that could be promoted. Um, at the top of the list, well, there's a couple of guys, Vrabel, we just talked about, we can talk about that a little bit, as well as Dan Quinn, uh, we had talked about on our previous show, um, as being the leading candidate, nothing's really moved off of that. I don't think for Seattle, there's no news coming out of Seattle, which tells me that they seem to have something already going. Uh, but we'll, we'll find um, out. The thing is that the Seahawks can't officially talk to Dan Quinn. Unless another, they request, another, is it? Is they can it, make they a can't request do it this they, week. I, they they have another week. They have to wait another week because of um, playoff rules, right? With um, coaches or assistant coaches and playoff teams, um, so they have to wait. Maybe it's two weeks. Um, but it's the fact that nothing is happening in Seattle. They haven't made requests. No one's been in town man that makes me think it's it's Quinn. I've also I've I've read through I read through this morning like 10 different um media like things basically predicting where people would go mm-hmm. and 10 for 10 Dan Quinn to Seattle. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Schefter said it's pretty much almost a done deal. There's a couple of things, you know, where it's like you might as well just pencil this thing in, not in pen, but in pencil, you know, and so um yeah. 
I mean, I mean it makes a lot of sense, but it would be a safe pick for John Schneider. Now, John has worked with him in the past. If that relationship is tight and functioning, this would be a no-brainer for John because obviously he knows what he's going to get. But that's the thing. Seattle knows what it's going to get. It's going to get a head coach that that coached with Atlanta that got him to Super Bowl, but also had some some fallings out there, some failings, um, some in, in, inadequate roster building. Um, yeah, but and he no but he's going to get a roster. But he's also going to get a coach that's been. Uh, that's had another opportunity and taken advantage of it as far as getting into a defensive coordinator spot and really becoming one of the best in the league um, and and as well-respected around the league. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't be a hater. I'm just saying it's it's an easy choice. It's a safe choice. It's a logical choice. That's probably why it doesn't happen. (laughs) Because it's John Snyder and the Seahawks. Um, and, and John might want to go big. He might want to just go, you know what? This is my, my one chance. I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to take a shot. My job is safe. I'm safe. I'm going to be here for at least three years. I'm going to take a shot on a guy that can compete with, with uh, Shanahan, that can compete down there with the Rams, that can compete with Gannon in Arizona that's, uh, that's got an up-and-coming roster. And I'm going to go young and bold and, and um, give a guy a shot in the NFL. And, and that could be the way that he goes. I'm just saying it could be. Now, I would I put money. If I had money, I would put money on Dan Quinn because Dan Quinn. Dan it's Quinn's like the guy 75%. The most sense. And yeah. like I said, the, the longer we wait before we hear that somebody's interviewed or the CX have requested permission to interview, um, the more we know it's Dan Quinn. So how do they handle the Dan, uh, the, the Rooney rule this time around, Keith? Um, they f- fly to Minnesota and interview Leslie Frazier in an airport. <laughs> or, or have Clint Hurt in for coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, I, that, I that comes down to it. I don't, um, I don't want a kid or I feel like I'm being a little flippant and, and I'm, I don't want to do that because I do respect this, um, rule and the, the, the opportunities that need to be generated for, mm-hmm. um, for minority candidates in the NFL. I think it's important. Um, even though it, it, based on the amount of jobs that are out there now, maybe it's slightly outdated as far as just being as a policy. But I, sometimes I wonder about that because there's still a lot of the NFL that, that says that it's a retread league. And uh, some of these candidates, maybe even lesser candidates, still get handed jobs around the league um, at times. So to have this rule in place is, I think, important. You just kind of want, don't want to dismiss it. So well, and I, I think before, if you if you want to get into into that, um, the bigger problem. Do I? The, <laughs> do the bigger I? problem I isn't because this is a major problem, right? The the league is what is it, seventy eight percent African American, but there's like typically one or two african-american coaches in the league at any one time like it doesn't make a lot of sense but the the problem is the um pipeline of getting good coaches ready for head coaching opportunities um how many african-american offensive coordinators are there with play calling duties and why is that because they're the ones that are getting the head coaching jobs right now 
our offensive coordinator with play. And that was the only reason why Eric Bieniemy left um, Kansas City was because in order to get a job, he has to show that he can that he was actually running an offense and not just being a figurehead behind Andy Reid who called all the plays. Um, so he went to Washington. He went from one of the best organizations in the NFL to one of the worst um, just to get that experience and put it on his resume and show that he could do the job before anyone would give him a shot. He's a guy that he's now done that. His name is still going to be out there. Is he actually going to get a head coaching job in this cycle? The enemy? Yeah. Um, there's something there, though. You know, without respect to race at all, there's something there, there, to me, on him not getting opportunities consistently over the last five years, even though he's been one of the top offensive coordinator names out there, um, you know, at, at Kansas City predominantly the, during that time. And you just kind of have to be careful. And you have to, you know, you can't just put somebody in because you've got to go through that process and, and figure that out. And if, if there's personality issues or whatever that have kept him from, um, or leadership qualities that, that, uh, he, he doesn't, or, you know, does or does not have. I don't know. I mean, here I am. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, a, I'm, I live in a box, Keith, I, you know, I'm in a small world and I don't know the, the, the details, the nuts and bolts of, of that, but, um, there, there's probably a reason, you know, that 31 teams have passed. Yeah. Um, so Another name of a vet guy that I didn't think about till this morning, but apparently his name's being tossed around. Um, you mentioned earlier when you were just going through the list of, of people who are interviewing um, at other places, Raheem Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he failed kind of miserably in Tampa his first time as a head coach. That was also 15 years ago. Really? Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but oh my God, it has. It's been 15 years. Um, and he has gone back and, you know, worked his way up um, other coaching trees and has been a defensive coordinator for multiple teams over that and has done a fantastic job. Um, it's worth thinking about. Because, yeah, we think of guys, and like you mentioned Wilkes. Um, well, yeah. Wilkes was a failed head coach, right? But he got one season with the worst roster in the NFL. Yeah. You know, and D'Amico, if you look at the hire of like D'Amico Ryans uh, from, from Houston last year and look what happened this year, they got their quarterback and boom, that roster went from three wins to it being in the playoffs, um, which is, which is amazing. So it does kind of give you hope for, you know, the, a defensive minded coach. Um, another name along with Wilkes, um, and um, it would be Brian Flores, uh, the defensive coordinator at the Vikings, has the uh, head coaching experience at uh, Miami. And uh, a lot of folks think that he was pushed out of that uh, position unfairly. And um, so now he's been kind of paying his dues as a, as a coordinator. Uh, he still has um, three pending lawsuits against the NFL owners. Oh, really? Oh, that makes him kind of hard to work with. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like him though. 
I do like, I like him. him. I, like, I like him. I like him as a coach. I I think that he got a really raw deal um, by Miami. Um, some of the revelations that came out when he, uh, after he got fired, were disturbing. Yeah. Um, but you almost have to let that play out. You don't want a distraction coming yeah. to your team, yeah. which is, you know, it is what mm -hmm. it is. So, so, I mean, that's it, Keith. That's, I mean, that's really the nuts and bolts of the coaches available. Obviously they'll choose somebody we didn't talk about. I don't know where that would come from. Maybe the coach, uh, college there's ranks, also, but there's also, some, yeah, there's, there's also some, co some coaches in the college ranks, um, that people, um, <clears throat> have thrown out there. Obviously Lincoln Riley, um, that's, at a, USC. that's a name yeah. that makes, um, a lot of sense that someone would look his way. Uh, Kirby smart at Georgia, um, is a guy that, uh, should garner some attention same with i think lincoln uh, lincoln riley would work well with john schneider um brian kelly former notre dame current lsu coach um who just, just got, got a guy a Heisman job, right? trophy what he just really got that job right at lsu how long is a couple years there? ago yeah yeah um so those are three names that i've seen uh floated out there as as not necessarily connected to seattle but connected to nfl jobs um, from the college ranks, you know, what's interesting about all three of them, zero NFL ties, not one of them has played or coached in the NFL. They don't know the league in any way. Yeah, that would be difficult. That would really point to you hiring a staff that, that certainly did. Well, and just, you don't know the culture. You don't know what the, what the league is. You don't like there it's different i think someone has you need to have been in the nfl even if it was as a position coach for a couple of years um and then because if you don't even know how the nfl works uh just the daily ins and outs because it's different than in college and like because you've never seen it I, I don't know how you can manage a organization when you don't even know what the daily in and out routine needs to be um, cause like I said, it's entirely different than in college. Um, but I did have seen all three of those names floated out there and someone will give them a shot, but look at what happened when Nick Saban went to the NFL, probably one of the great, well, arguably the greatest college coach of all time was an absolute failure in the NFL. Yeah. Urban Meyer was an absolute failure. God, Urban Meyer. Was you want to talk just, about absolute failure. Yeah. Urban um, Meyer was gross. Um, so but, yeah. So I, you know, I wanted to talk about Pete for one second here to, to kind of close this thing out. Uh, a couple of things, um, heard a little bit more about how he was kind of, uh, how that, that transition happened, how the meetings happened and so forth. He was on Brock and Salt with his last, uh, Pete Carroll show, um, and, and indicated that, um, he fought hard for his job and for his coaches and for his position as far as, you know, we're kind of in a, in a, in a reset mode. And this is year two of potentially year three. I've got unfinished business. I'd like to be able to come back. We're close. Uh, um, those arguments seem to fall, um, short, obviously with Burt Cold and, um, Jody Allen. and I, yeah, and and Jody Allen, and I think that um, he had 
he said something that was interesting to me. He said, you know, it was hard to convince non-football people about what, what we're doing and how it's going and, and how close we are. Um, and I thought that was interesting that he alluded to the idea that I was kind of, I was kind of pushed out by people that don't understand what we're doing. Um, which I, right. And then the opportunity for John was kind of first and foremost on his mind. So it, it, it made it sound like John and, and Jody and, and Bert kind of forced their hand a little bit to get him out the yeah, door. But I also think that if you listen to that and pair it with his uh, exit press conference, it sounded like one of the things that happened was Pete was fighting for his staff, fighting for the jobs of those people because of the fact that they've, you know, they have families and they've relocated their families to Seattle. And so he's like not wanting to trade out guys. Um, but the ownership uh, side of things <clears throat> saw the same thing that everyone else did, that the defensive coaching staff was not good. Yeah. There hasn't been and an improvement. We have be one and if he's, playoff win in seven years. We have, you know, on and on. There's a lot, of, there's a lot there. Obviously if you're fighting to, for a guy to keep his job, who's really not good at his job, and like that's your reasoning for wanting you know wanting to stay and and you're like no we you know we should have another year of this and whatever it's like if you want another year of this if you want to come back and run this back pete then make the changes on your staff that need to be made and it's he it very much seemed like he was unwilling to do that yeah um and so it became one of those things where if all the guys are going to be um if all the families are going to be disturbed disturbed anyway by him firing them um then yeah maybe it's time there's just yeah yeah it did it did ultimately point to the idea that it was time it's hard it, there is no easy time um <clears throat> last thing i'll say though is uh, i don't know if you saw this but Pete had a little mini mini reunion at a restaurant that the night of that press conference and had Sherman and Bobby Wagner and even our own uh, previous quarterback, Russell Wilson, uh, made an appearance there um, and Camp Chancellor and just all sorts of uh, past guys got together uh, to, to celebrate Pete, really. And um, I thought that was the coolest thing. It was, was interesting that Russ was that Russ flew out kind of unannounced, um, and up. and just I mean, uh, it's guys that are still in the league, right? You you get what eight hours notice, and you're in another city. You got to decide that you're going to do it. Figure out, cancel all your all your plans mm -hmm. for the day, and um, jump on a plane and get there on time. And Russ did, um, and. Like, you know, Pete said it was like really cool to have him there. But the 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 story out of it that that I loved was um, you know, kind of at the end of it where it's it's wearing down, Pete gets up uh and it's time to go and he gets up to leave and runs into Sherman and Russ talking by the door. And Sherman turns to him and said, Look what you had to do in order to get us talking again. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah, uh, you know, no, was, yeah, look at, what had at to some point these guys mature, they get out of the league, there's not so much intense pressure all the time, and you remember the special things that you created together were better than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so you drop the anything else, and you have the special, and that's what remains, and I think that's what that meeting showed. That, and yeah. I was just thinking in my mind, I was, I was, I was kind of postulating into the future about Pete Carroll being inducted into the Hall of Fame and oh, who man. presents for him. Oh, and I man. was thinking everyone presents for him. Everyone Honestly, that he's ever he touched one, comes up on stage behind him. If Pete had to pick would, one person, because usually there's one person that's allowed to speak, it's going to be Bobby be Wagner. Bobby Wagner. Um, and you, you caught that during his press conference that I did. he mentioned a lot of guys that, um, were there that were supportive of him and everything that kept it all together. Yeah. Yep. And he mentioned Bobby Wagner so many times, more than anybody yeah. else, more yeah, than, several times. more than everybody else combined. Um, I think that their relationship is special and that he really gets how big of a deal Bobby Wagner has been to the Seahawks, um, to his, to, to, uh, coach Carroll's legacy and, and all of that. I think that it's, I would, I'll, I'd be surprised if he picked someone else, which means it's going to be hard to follow Pete Carroll, Keith. You know, I was thinking about that. It's like, um, you want to be the second coach. You want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows Pete Carroll. And that might be a thing. I mean, there might, there's, there's a heavy lift here now with this franchise. I think the, the one playoff win since 2016 part, um, will give you some leeway if you're the next head coach, as long as you're successful. If you come in and the team, you know, goes, uh, like seven and 10 next year. Um, okay. Any, any leeway you might've got is gone. Um, so what is the, let, let's talk about that just for a brief second. What is the floor? What is the ceiling with this roster as currently constructed, knowing the moves we're going to have to make plus the draft, we're going to kind of be in the same sort of ish talent wise. Um, what does a new coach have to work with? And we'll t- we're going to talk more about this. We're going to have a show on Monday with Dan so Bienz where we're going to kind of get into this. On, on who that person now on offense, you've got, um, a great trio of wide receivers, two really good running backs, um, some pieces along the offensive line that other teams would 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 love to have that are young, uh, assuming that that Abe Lucas gets healthy. Um, there, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, what's missing, you know, because they're of guys that are that whose contracts are are expiring. Um, you know, you can fill in. You can those holes are aren't aren't huge um it's ever maybe quarterback uh, which is the big deal um but if on offense there's a lot to work with on defense there's also there's lots of stuff to work with but you're looking at the potential of a completely different scheme which means different alignments different i'd love needs. to see the different players in a different scheme to be completely honest i'd love to see a different scheme i'd love to see dan quinn come in and really get the most out of the talent that's here because I think the talent 
that's here is a better fit for Dan Quinn's scheme than it did, has been for Clint Hurt's scheme. Uh, and just on on matching talent. Uh, so do you with, think that's the way ways. it would work? That was, that's kind of the way it would work, wouldn't it be? If Dan comes in, he's going to want to run his his defense. He'd have a different guy running it, which points to maybe who's who's the uh, the other guy that he works with often, um, the the defensive back coach that that Seattle had that you love for Chris Richard. Chris Richard. Chris Richard comes in as the defensive coordinator. That's highly that's that's possible. Um, I'd be I'd be glad to have Chris Richard back. I know he wasn't very popular defensive coordinator and and all of that but going out to training camp and watching him teach young defensive backs was fun it was he 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 obviously knew and he was a good teacher uh was he a good coordinator Uh, i don't know but he's like whatever um (laughs) he was fun to watch so when i when yeah i like him i like i would love to have him back in seattle not because Oh, I think he's the best defensive coordinator out there I, because I get to watch him teach during training camp. And that just, uh, that just makes me happy. So <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, and just so everyone knows, we're going to have a big show on Monday. We're going to have Dan Bienz in. We're going to talk about how everything fits together as, as a puzzle, everything from coaching to, uh, our own free agents, where we're at on the salary cap. What is a, a new coach that comes into this team inherit as far as a core that he can build around and then maybe future looking into the uh, draft in the first few picks to, to see what other uh, players we might have an impact to, to come in and, and start right away and, and so forth. So that'll be a fun show. I hope everyone uh, sticks around and, and uh, listens to that. Um, good show, Keith. I mean, there's a lot to think about, a lot to talk about. It's, it's all out of our, control in our hands which is weird i'm not hearing i just refreshed my uh, browser again just a couple minutes ago to see if there's anything at all there's no news rumors nothing shifters all those guys are silent uh, as it pertains to the seahawks which tells me that everything is going on (laughs) in the background right now just they're they're operating in the same mode that they've operated in the last 14 years which is almost dead silence and all of a sudden you you have an announcement um that seems like what's what's happening i i would think you know if you're going to make that decision that's not a rash decision that those decisions and conversations are are happening you know months in advance i think uh, around Pete and that decision if things go this way what do we do we have a contingency mm-hmm. plan in place who are the other options out there we need to at least kind of ping those guys to see if there'd be any interest and so forth. That way, John has the ball and he's 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 off and running uh, without being flat-footed right off the bat. And I would be shocked if he was flat-footed at this point. Um, so I I would think that things are moving. We're just not seeing it. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. let's get out of here. Find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NW Seahawk. The show is Seahawks Playbook Podcast on your favorite podcast platforms and also our YouTube channel and uh, hit that subscribe button and share it if you like it. So until next time, go Hawks. Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook.
You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network.